0: man, is God in the middle of a father and a son not talking for 12 years? Is God really in the middle of that? I mean, you know, some people may have a hard time believing that that's the case, but I think when it turns out the way it turned out, um, I believe He is.
1: Welcome to the Jesus Calling podcast. Our guests today have both achieved amazing success in their sport and have witnessed the power of God in both their personal and professional lives. Heisman Trophy winner and NFL Hall of Fame wide receiver Tim Brown and Super Bowl champion quarterback Jeff Hostetler. First up is Tim Brown, a football player whose career spanned a record-breaking 17 years in the NFL. Tim's motivation to succeed in life and in football was greatly driven by a desire to reconcile with his father after a misunderstanding between them that happened when Tim was only 12 years old drove them apart for years. Tim recalls his early days with his family and that life-changing moment with his father that would define his path for over a decade.
0: I'm Tim Brown, um, 1987 Heisman Trophy winner, 2015 uh, NFL Hall of Famer, Uh, played 17 years in the NFL. We grew up in South Dallas. My two older, it was four of us, four kids and parents living in a two-bedroom place duplex and um the 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 neighborhood was really bad all these cuts and scars on my face all happened uh while i was before i was six seven years old i mean you know one is uh uh i found a bullet and i had a hammer decided bullet should it meet hammer and then you know (laughs) um I mean, just, just all kinds of things, I mean, happened. So that was in my South Dallas days. And so we, we moved to uh, Southeast Dallas and uh, to a three bedroom house, little house on the hill. It was, it was pretty nice. And uh, my brother moved out, but the two girls had the bedrooms and not not Timmy. So Timmy st- uh, still slept on the couch. Matter of fact, that's where this dent came from. I rolled out the, the couch and hit my head on the corner of the c- coffee table. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so uh, if I only had a bed, I tell you, if I only had a bed, (laughs) life would have been so much better. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, fam, mom and dad, you know, had a great relationship. Never saw them fight nor argue. Obviously, they did, but never in front of us. Um, Dad was um, a foreman on construction sites, Uh, was not a church guy uh, per se, you know, would go with us, you know, Father's Day and Easter, you know. Mom was a missionary in the church, so Wednesday, Friday, all day Sunday, she was at church, and and if she was there, we were there. <laughs> so we had to, we had to go, uh, we had to go to church. You know, Dad was working all the time. You know, never saw him miss a day at work. You know, he was a very steady guy, and you know, he partied as hard as he played. Uh, he worked, you know, so uh, he owned a nightclub also. So you know, I mean, really, really, you know, we would we would see him for about two hours every night. Uh, when he got out from work, he'd go lay down for a minute. I mean, go shower, lay down for a minute, then he was out to his club, you know, and um, would be home, you know, 12 o'clock, to get up at five o'clock and do it all over again, you know. That's how he did it. There weren't um, many of my friends who I knew who had both their parents or, or maybe they were on, the, the parents were on to their second marriage, um, you know, so there was always some stepmom, stepdads type situations. But I was very fortunate from that standpoint. And, um, you know, but I think everything changed for me when I was 13. Um, my dad was a little bit of a drinker. And, um, you know, because I slept on the couch in a den, most of the time, you know, sometimes I would sleep on their floor or wherever. Uh, he came home a little, little a little intoxicated one night and uh it was a late late at night i should have been sleeping it was school night but i was watching a movie <laughs> it was a good movie too i think it was a tarzan movie or something but it was good and um and he turned the tv off and i just uh sort of said hey Papa, I'm, I'm watching that but in his mind the fact that i was coming at him he thought i was coming after him and you know um, it was all because of the alcohol, because me and my dad had a great relationship up until then. Oh, you coming after me? Oh, 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 I'm gonna kill you. Oh, yeah, you gonna come after me. And, you know, hearing those words come out of your dad's mouth and for him to mean it, you know, was, was, was tough. It's tough to hear. And I was like, oh, pop, you know, hey, amen, you know? No, 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 I was just, you know, talking about TV. No, 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 you gonna come after me? No, no, no. And I realized he, he was a little, you know, a little over the limit. And um, so now I was like, okay, let me go get Mama, you know, because he's going out to his trunk, and I know he had guns in his trunk, because um, every night he would come home with uh, big buckets of change from the machines in the, uh, in, the uh, in the in the in the club nightclub, club, and on, but on either side of those that bucket were, were guns on, on both sides. So so when he went outside to the trunk, I was like, wait a minute, this is getting <laughs> real serious now. So. So mom is out there, she goes out, and you know, she's Jane, you know, Jing, you got to you got to settle down. you No, 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 no. And I can remember, you know, we had this little plastic tree in the corner of the of the room. And I can remember going and, and hiding behind that tree as if that tree was going to stop a bullet, you know, but in my mind, I had to do something, you know, and um, and that really changed the, the, the dynamics of our, my relationship with my dad uh, for years. And really the dynamic of the family uh, for a while too. So it was, um, it, was, it was tough, it was tough. But I remember from that time, for the next 12 years, everything I did was to get the affection of my dad back. Everything I did, I mean, um, you know, from football plays, you know, because uh, I never saw my dad in my game at high school. Now, I learned years later that he would be there. He just wouldn't be sitting in the stands. He would be at some gate or something where, you know. And I'm telling you, that thing went all through graduating high school, getting a scholarship to the University of Notre Dame, graduating the University of Notre Dame, winning the Heisman, being drafted in the league, uh, making All-Pro my rookie year, um, I got hurt, you know, I got hurt my second year. I was like, well, maybe this would do it. Maybe this would bring this brother to me, you know. That didn't do it and um, I remember buying him a brand new truck in 91, you know, thinking that would do it. And um, and I think it was 92 where I said that um, I just got to, this has to stop. I just can't. I mean, it's been 12, 13 years at this point. I can't I can't, you know, when I come in the house, he go out the back door. I go out, you know, I come in the front door, he go out the back door. I mean, it was like, because of my status at that particular point, he really couldn't say anything to me. You know, I was, I was paying for the house, you know, his car, whatever, whatever. I was taking care of everything. And not that my, my dad ever felt like he was, you know, uh, demasculized or whatever. But, um, but at the same time, you could tell that it bothered him. You know, um, so we were never in a room together. I mean, when I say never, I, that's not an exaggeration. It's, um, it was just uncomfortable for everybody if, if we were in a room together because people just didn't know what was going, what was going to happen, you know. And even though, you know, I, my whole thing was, and one of my coaches told me this uh, early into this process, he said, whatever you do, don't disrespect your dad. Always respect him you know because he'll realize one day you know but always respect him and uh, and that's what I did you know I always gave him the utmost respect never cross word never you know never talk back anything of that nature um but you know so um I come, come, I come home and um I had made up my mind on the plane that this was going to be it you know and I knew the routine if I came in the back door he went out the front door you know so so I did one of my patented moves, ha-ha, you know. <laughs> he thought I was going to the front door, and, uh, and I just walked around, walked around the house, and uh, and by the time I got there, he had made his way, and he was coming out the door, and I was standing right there. And I said to him, this has to end today. And I said, uh, and this was the thing that was that had uh, had been um Wearing on my soul for a couple couple years prior was that I was being told in my spirit that I should apologize to my father, that I should ask him for forgiveness, and I'm like, "Hold up, you know, I bought this car, I bought this house, you know what I mean? I did this. I'm the one to, and he was the one who threatened me." My spirit said, "Look." If you wouldn't have gotten out that bad that night, do you think this would have happened? Do you think your dad would have rolled you over and said, oh, I'm gonna kill you? Know, do you think this would have happened if you didn't make that move? I couldn't answer that question because I don't think it would have happened. And so that's what I told him. I said, I, want, I need for you to forgive me. And, and I will forgive you, but I need for you to forgive me. And I need for you to be my father. You know, I need for you to, to be the man that I know, I've known you to be my whole life. And, um, and we hugged it out, shook hands, all that stuff. And um, and for the next 20 years of his life, we were, we were perfect. We had an incredible, incredible relationship. And thankfully, you know, I got the strength to, to, to go to him and make things right. I really believe that changed my life because, um, you know, that 12 years, because of my mindset was to do everything as perfect as I could to do to do something great enough to get this man's attention, you know, what would I have had that same motivation if, you know, I mean it's amazing how things happen. And so um, I just wish, you know, you say, oh, you know, I wish I would have done it years, years earlier because I was definitely being, you know, it was definitely inside of me to do that. But I had to deal with some things with myself too you know, and maturing to the point where you realize, you know, what's, what's really happening here and the fact that it can, it can have on, you know, on people years and years to come, you know. God allows things to happen, you know, if, if at the end of that thing, you're still on this earth, then the lesson is for you to, to get something out of it and, and, try and try and make the best out of it, you know. Um, you know, it was, it was tough. And that was part of my real battle um, because I had gotten to the point where I couldn't look at myself in the mirror. Uh, literally, I should tell people, you know, my little running joke is, I'm glad I didn't have a big afro I had to shape up every day because it would have been lopsided. Because uh, literally, I washed my face, brushed my, I could not look at myself in the mirror because I knew that God was calling me to be different than who I was. And, uh, and when you're 23 and 24 and 25, and 26, and you go and at the same time you're having a pretty decent NFL career, so nobody can figure out why you're unhappy. You know why are you? You know why are you? You know walking around here moping. And but they didn't know the struggle that I had that I had going on inside of me because I knew God had a bigger calling for my life. And I can remember. I don't want you guys to think I'm crazy, but. I used to talk to God, I mean, I never heard an audible voice, <laughs> so I don't know what you think that, <laughs> that I heard an audible voice, but I can remember God just telling me, Tim Brown, I need you to do my will, and and I would answer him by by telling him all the things that I was doing, you know, what I had done, what I had accomplished, you know, why can't I just stay on this path? I would hear Oh is that the problem So you think it was you who got you a scholarship to the University of Notre Dame on a team that was 425 and 1 You think that was you is that the problem we have in Tim Brown Well you think it was you who allowed you to win the Heisman trophy become the first receiver to break all these records to hurt your knee and to come back and to be playing you think that is that is that the problem that we're having that you believe this is all you and then you get to go wow you know god was there all the time and i said lord save me and save me good you know um i i need i need everything that you have i need it to to be able to do what i have to do I mean, I'm in the middle of an incredible career right now. And, you know, I got a locker room I got to go back to that is full of mess that a lot of it I brought into the locker room. Let's be honest about it. And now I got to go and tell these boys I'm not participating in that anymore. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. It's not an easy thing to do. Uh, Not just a locker room, your job, wherever it is. You know, all of a sudden when you... of a sudden say hey that's not me anymore now you are being different you can say you're not if you want but you are being different and it took it took it took a while before you know i mean i was being mocked you know i was all those kind of things you know but i think after a couple years uh, the guys realized that i really meant what i was what i said and they really started started to support me and that that became a um, a big boost in my spiritual walk uh, because I knew at that point that if you do this thing right then people will follow you and they, they want to hear what you say. Even the same people who are mocking you all of a sudden are pulling you over going, hey man, you know, I've never seen anybody do this like you're doing, it, you know, uh, what's going on, you know, and it gives you a chance to witness to them, you know, man, God took me from doing x, y, z to this, to where I am now. You know, but we just have to be strong enough to, to understand that, you know, if God allows something to happen, then He means for something good to come out of it. And if we have the opportunity, if, if whatever happens take you out, then the lesson is not for you. The lesson is for the people left behind, but if you're still here, man, you gotta you gotta dig down deep and that's hard.
1: As Tim began to see the fruits of answering God's call in his life, he also began to see his career wrap up in a way that he never expected, setting a record for the longest career as an NFL player—17 years.
0: People are starting to say, "Hey, man, you know your numbers are looking like they can be Hall of Fame numbers, you know." And uh, you, know, you really, you know, Hall of Fame is not something you can even think about, you know. what I mean, it's so big, you know, for an NFL player that it's not something you can even think about. So, but I remember, you know, being full of pride, even after I'm saved and all this good stuff, you know, that uh, I was in prayer one night and uh, as clear as day I heard, I don't have you here just so you can be in the Hall of Fame. I have you here so you can touch men. And I'm telling you, I got off my knees boxing with God that night. I mean, if my wife would have walked in the room, she would have thought I'd lost my mind for sure that night. <laughs> because I was saying, look, I got a thumb that does this. I got a shoulder that pops out of place when it wants to. you know. I got a leavening scar on my knee right here. I need to be in the Hall of Fame. I ain't thinking about no man. I need to be in the Hall of Fame. And God reminded me again. Here we go again, Tim. <laughs> here we go again. Do I need to remind you again? of of who has really been in charge. And it's at that point where I realized God had been setting me up my whole life.
1: Tim is now enjoying a new season of his life and how God has guided his path to use his influence as a football player and his personal story of reconciliation with his father to help others reach their dreams and overcome their hurts. He shares a passage from Jesus Calling that underscores his feelings about where God has brought him.
0: October 29th, linger in my presence a while. Reign in your impulses to plunge into the day's activities. Beginning your day along with me is essential for preparation for success. A great athlete takes time to prepare himself mentally for the feet ahead of him before he moves a muscle. Similarly, your time of being still in my presence equips you for the day ahead of you. Only I know what will happen for you this day. I have arranged the events you will encounter as you go along your way. If you are not adequately equipped for the journey, you will grow weary and lose heart. Relax with me while I ready you for action. Ephesians 2.10, Hebrews 12 and 3. That's uh, something that hits home with me. Um, you know, one of the things that, that I used to do is to literally steady myself on the floor and just lay down. And think about everything that I, I was about to do, and I would think about you know the guys on who I was playing against, and what what uh, um, the techniques that they they use, and uh, how was how I was going to defeat those guys. You know, uh, doing different things. So um, it is something that that uh, you know, man, I never really thought about how awesome would it be to to do that and think about God's word while you do that. Yikes, that would be really deep. I don't know if I can get up. I'd be I'd be crying too much. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to get up. Uh, but that's uh, that's an awesome little passage right there. So there are just so many things we have to deal with in this world to, that can be overwhelming. I mean, literally, they can be overwhelming. Um, but there's just so much comfort and peace in, in knowing that, man. I know he. I know he's got me.
1: You can find Tim Brown's book, The Making of a Man, How Men and Boys Honor God and Live with Integrity, at your favorite book retailer. Stay tuned for our talk with Super Bowl champion quarterback Jeff Hostetler after a brief message about a beautiful new edition of Jesus Calling. Motherhood. It's a journey like no other, teeming with love, unparalleled dedication, and moments that pierce the very essence of your soul. Jesus
0: Calling for Graduates is perfect for both high school and college graduates as they embark on the next chapter. Look for our special custom edition of Jesus Calling for Graduates, available exclusively at faithgateway.com.
1: Are you looking to introduce a friend or a loved one to the peace that can be found by spending time with God daily There's a beautiful new edition of Jesus Calling that makes a gorgeous gift for someone who might be seeking a new perspective for a new year. It's the same Jesus Calling daily devotional that has inspired over 25 million readers, now updated with a lovely fabric cover and eye-catching foil with feminine floral touches. This elegant new version also features large text and written-out scripture verses with each passage. For more information about this stunning new edition of Jesus Calling, visit jesuscalling.com botanical. That's jesuscalling.com botanical. Now, let's get back to the second half of our program. We welcome back Jeff Hostetler to the podcast for the continuation of his amazing story, Jeff led the New York Giants to their win in Super Bowl 25, some one and a half months after starting quarterback Phil Simms went out for the season with a broken foot. Jeff was a guest on our podcast last year and talked about growing up in a Mennonite family in Pennsylvania, the faith that his parents demonstrated to him at a young age and his unlikely road to the NFL. Now, Jeff tells us about his rocky start in the league, the family crises he endured during that time, and how he was able to realize the purpose for years of hard waiting as he learned to trust God's timing in his life.
2: My NFL career didn't start out as uh, as I would have liked, and uh, there was a lot of frustration. I didn't see the playing field my first year at all. And um, the second year I came in, Um, was just looking for a way to get on the field, to try to do anything that I could. Uh, I ended up being behind a starter that uh, uh, was his first year full-time starting, uh, my first year coming into the league, and he played well, he played really well. And so um, there was this sense of not knowing if I was ever going to get an opportunity, when it would come, uh, the pressure of it to see how you play the game, uh, the speed of the game, all these things were big jumps uh, from college into the NFL. And so, you know, there were doubts uh, that creep into your mind when you don't get an opportunity to step out onto the field. And you wonder, you know, can I do this? Um, and if you don't have an opportunity to do it, you can't prove it to yourself or, or to others. So, uh, lots of times in the NFL, uh, your worth is based on your performance. And so, when you don't have an opportunity to perform, um, it's a struggle trying to maintain what you feel like your worth is. And it's one of the things that I think faith-wise helped me get through that time uh, because I realized that my worth wasn't based on my performance out on the field. And uh, that's a tough thing to, to be able to handle in that. And I, I, um, I know why God had me in the NFL. I know why He had me in football. If you look at my Bible, uh, my Bible is outlined, underlined, um, pages turned down. And all those times were during football. Uh, those were the times when, um, you know, my heart was uh, was struggling, and I needed uh, to know that um, you know, God had me and that He had a plan for me. And uh, I go through that at times and look and and see the pain at times, the hope at times, uh, just through those highlights or, or underlines. And I know, you know, God had me there for that reason. He was teaching me a lot of things. Um, he taught me about patience. My faith, uh, I think, um, is a constant part of my life. It is interwoven into my, into my life and through all my football um, playing days, uh, because football has so many ups and downs, and um, one of the things uh, as a quarterback that you have to learn is to try to stay even keeled. And um, As a Christian. That's what you want to, be, to try, uh, try to do. Not, not let your highs be too high and your lows too low, and to always be a constant. I never dreamed that I would wait six and a half years for an opportunity to play in the NFL. Now, six and a half years, you think about it, that's a long time. Uh, where were you six and a half years ago? Um, what were you doing? Uh, physically, what difference were you then compared to now? And all those things happened to me, and there was this struggle, constant struggle, in my career, as far as um, you know, how will I ever be looked at successfully um, as a as a player if I never get an opportunity to step out on the field? And there was a lot of frustration, wondering, you know, God, why do you have me here? You know, is this the place for me? And um, through those times, being in uh, His Word, uh, it got me through those. During this six and a half years of struggle with uh, my career, I also had uh, my first son, and he was uh, less than 24 hours old uh, when he had his first uh, heart surgery. Um, Two weeks later, he had his second heart surgery. At five months, he had his third surgery. At 11 months, he had uh, his fourth major surgery. And so um, I have this career path that's really struggling and then I have this personal family path that's really struggling and I can remember at that time thinking um, prayer. I can remember going out to the back of uh, my house in New Jersey after hearing that we would check my son's uh, statistics and vitals and trying to figure out you know, whether he was going to need another surgery or not and each time that we would check the news just seemed to be one bad a piece of news after another and I can remember going out in the back deck and just uh, sort of yelling at God saying God do you tell me if I have the faith of a mustard seed I've been praying for the faith of a mustard seed alright and I pray for that and pray for that and yet you don't hear me and my son continues to have all these issues that are going on and at that time you know doctors they're protecting themselves so there's no hope they don't give hope uh, we were just looking for hope, and I can remember really losing um, what I felt was the power of prayer. I was wondering, I questioned, what good is prayer? I mean, God, you're going to do what you want to do, no matter what I ask, what I, what I do, you're going to do what you're going to do. And so I had this struggle um, with a career and with my family, and wondering um, you know, about prayer. It was, it was um, hitting me at my core you know and I grew up always believing that and here I am in that position and wondering where are you alright um, so I I made it through that period of time every six months my son would get uh, checked and uh, at 11 months was his last surgery and so as time continued to go on I never lost the, the doubt I believe God was there but as far as my communications with him in prayer I I just didn't I just didn't have that belief anymore and it it really hit me. Um, And then uh, he was seven years old and I was sitting in the doctor's office um, and he had just gone through a a round of tests and uh, the doctor came in. He sat down and said, Jason's doing really well. Jeff if Jason was in a room with a hundred other kids with the same issue and he was in there with a hundred other doctors they would say unanimously what what what's he doing here why is he here because he looks so good and he looked at me the doctor looked at me and he said Jeff he said you know he's a miracle
1: despite challenges in his career and crises in his family Jeff persevered and found himself coming into his own professionally leading up to a career defining moment that would only come in God's timing
2: the uh, seventh year of my career you know, we came into the season and I was the backup at the time and played real well during the the um, uh, preseason. So I I felt really good about that and felt like I deserved an opportunity to play. And I even had the head coach at that time tell me that uh, I deserved to see the, the, the field to uh, to play. But I was also behind a guy that was playing really, really well. And so I didn't know if I was going to have any opportunities or not, but I felt better as to where I was professionally. Um, and, uh, and then all of a sudden, I think it was somewhere around the third or fourth game of the season, um, Phil Sims was the starter. He went down. I came in, and uh, we ended up winning a game. We were down 19 to 10 with five minutes left in the game and uh, was able to bring us back and win the game with the last uh, second field goal. And so it was, a, um, it was an awesome opportunity for me to go out and show and do something that I've always wanted to do but never had the opportunity. Uh, about a couple, two, three weeks later, uh, out of the blue, we're in the middle of a game. Sims is, is fine. He's playing. And Parcells yelled out, Hostetler, you're in. Um, he was testing me. And this was during a game where the outcome was not decided. And uh, gave me the opportunity, came in. Uh, Phil wasn't hurt, went in. Uh, we drove the field. Uh, uh, I scored on a uh, scramble. and. Um, it, it gave me a lot of confidence because I knew the guys around me all believed that I could play and my head coach believed that I could play and he was testing me and he put me in and I passed and I thought um, things are looking up. Uh, I didn't realize that that was going to be the last time I was going to step on the field for quite a while and um, through that time having that taste of, of being on the field and being able to go out and perform, uh, it was tough to go back to, to not playing again. And uh, through the game after game after game, I didn't see the field, and I got really, really frustrated. And I think six and a half years of that just finally came out. And it was a night uh, after practice. I think it was on a, a Wednesday night, came home, sat down with my wife at the dinner table. And uh, we were clearing the table afterwards, and I just told her, babe, at the end of the year, I'm done. I can't do it anymore. And um, you know, I said, I- I'm just too frustrated. I said, let's, let's go back, to, back home. And uh, I'll make things work and, and I'll figure out something to do. And she was all for it because she saw the frustration in me. And, um, you know, six and a half years, that's a long time to, to give it a chance. Um, well, that week, um, that Sunday, Phil Sims went down, uh, got hurt. And six weeks later, uh, I was standing uh, at the podium having just won the Super Bowl. So um, it's pretty amazing how God. Can, can take uh, your lowest point when you finished, and you said, that's it. And I uh, said, hey, just hold on, and uh, take you from the bottom to the, to the peak. It's pretty amazing. I was never real bold. Uh, uh, I was never real bold as a kid. I was really shy, um, uh, very reserved, and, and kept to myself. So again, I look back and and I see what God's taken me from and what He's produced uh, through football because as a quarterback, you can't be shy and reserved and held back. Um, You know, you're supposed to be a leader and you have to do things a certain way and you have to present a a certain attitude and presence. And, um, you know, that's contrary to being someone that's uh, shy and reserved. And so the Lord taught me a lot of things through football. Um, and you know those things were able to help me to, to become bolder in who I am. And I, at times, uh, without being, in, uh, without having to speak, um, let my actions speak. And I think I had at one point one of the greatest compliments from um, Lawrence Taylor, who was a linebacker in the Hall of Fame with the Giants, and uh, just as uh, as tough and mean as they come. All right, and. Uh, after games that we would win, at times he had a, uh, a restaurant and a, uh, and a bar, and he would invite all the guys back to his place just to celebrate the game and that. And uh, he had some other people there that I really didn't uh, want to associate with, and um, I always turned them down. And um, one of the biggest compliments to me was one time he came back down and he was inviting everybody, and he he looked at me and he said, "Hossy." I'm not even going to invite you because I know you're not coming. And it was because he knew what I was about. He knew who I was, um, and it was a compliment to me uh, because there was a respect uh, uh, from a man that um, uh, top of the football world, and yet uh, respected where I stood as a uh, as a Christian man. So, um, uh, you know, there were there were a lot of positives as far as uh, the opportunities to play when I went to the Raiders. It was probably the greatest group of guys I've ever played with. Uh, We had, we had probably 30 Christian guys on that team. That um, when you think of the Raiders, you don't think of that. And uh, so, you know, God constantly surprised me as to the people that He would put around me to to support um, and to be part of. 1998 was my last year, and. I uh, was going into the off-season, and I determined that uh, I really didn't want to get back into it. I was at the Washington Redskins, and I didn't enjoy my time there. Um, And I thought, well, if there's another opportunity, I won't close the door, but I'm not playing along London anymore. And uh, my sons, they were a little older at the time, and they all were encouraging me to go because they could understand it more. And then uh, it was in June of, uh, of uh, 1999, and uh, my son Tyler was eight years old and he was at a friend's house. Uh, and we didn't know that uh, his friend was nine and they had a six-wheel gator, um, an ATV, and uh, their parents had allowed them to ride it uh, without being supervised, and uh, Tyler was driving and it flipped and landed on him, uh, broke his neck. Uh, he was paralyzed from the neck down, and. Um, we were, we were devastated. We, uh, it was one of those times where uh, I can remember sitting in the room and I see, still see Tyler's eyes just yelling, Daddy, 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 and not being able to do anything. And uh, I remember being in an uh, intensive care room with my dad and just, um, just bawling my eyes out because here I am, his dad. I'm supposed to protect him, and yet uh, I failed and he may never walk again, um, what am I going to do? And I remember my dad telling me, uh, Jeff, you got to give it to God. You just got to give it to God. I said, he said, whose hands would he be better in? And it was tough because um, you know, as a dad uh, and, and as an athlete, you want to be able to control things and help and do things to, to make sure everything's right and I couldn't. And to give him up to, to God and just put him in his hands was, was really, really tough. But uh, God did amazing things. He's, uh, he's a true miracle. He would walk in here today, and you would never know it. Um, doctor upon doctor has told me uh, he is a miracle. And so God's used uh, my, my life playing, um, my personal life. Uh, he's taken me through all these ups and downs. Um, but the one constant is that he's always been there always been there. He has things in control. Um, and when we need him, um, you know, he is there. We just need to trust in him. And uh, at times that's difficult to do, but uh, he's proven himself time in and time out. That's what started our Haas Foundation. Um, the the things that we had gone through as a family and realized, you know, how difficult it is on on the, the core family. Um, not only my wife and I, uh, but the other kids um, how difficult it was for them to go through things because when your child's going through something you know your whole focus is on your child and you've got other kids that you kinda leave by the wayside you don't leave them by the wayside but you know you can only do certain things and so we think about those times and how difficult uh, it was and uh, I see how difficult it is on families when uh, they're going through things that are similar and how many families are torn apart And so uh, we started a foundation uh, called the Haas Foundation to uh, try to help those families that are going through something traumatic uh, as an injury or an illness so that we can kind of um, supplement some of the things that are going on uh, so that they don't have to worry about those things, so that we can uh, uh, give them the opportunity to, to be with those that, that, are, that are struggling. Right now, we kind of shifted uh, some directions with our Haas Foundation, and we put in a family resource center inside uh, our hospital here at WVU uh, Medicine Children's and uh, it's there to, to be right there with the families so that we can meet some of their needs. We, we do laundry, we provide food vouchers, we provide um, educational uh, tools and things like that, any type of uh, financial assistance that's available, um, housing. So uh, we're real involved with that and we uh, started our first fundraiser this year. Um, we. My connection between athletics and the hospital, I'm trying to um, encourage that with WVU athletics, and so uh, we're engaging them. Uh, the football team's been coming over to visit uh, on a more regular basis. We're doing a fundraiser with uh, the head coach and uh, their coaching staff. Um, so uh, we're, we're trying to get uh, together and meld those two, uh, athletes and families and children that are going through difficult times because it's a win-win for both. Uh, each one of them has an impact on the other, and for the athletes, it gives them perspective as to, um, hey, that interception really wasn't that important, or you know that loss, or or you know um, that missed tackle, or that missed basket. That really doesn't uh, um, hold a whole lot of weight in the whole realm of things when I see what this family's going through. And then, you know, on the family side and the kids side, when. they see these athletes walking in and that big smile comes on their their son or daughter um, it's invaluable you know and so uh, trying to meld the two together and uh, is a win-win and uh, they're doing a real good job here football provided me um, with a an opportunity uh, actually it kind of forced me into uh, having more of a devotional time because it was so tough on me Uh, and Uh, Having that uh, be, uh, having that have passed and getting into life without football, uh, having a devotional time at times has been a struggle. It's just, uh, um, you know, trying to find the time. You get so busy and you get going here and there and with your kids and this and that, and yet I know how important it is. So it was, uh, for me, it wasn't as consistent as it needs to be or needed to be. And um, one of the greatest things has happened to me in the last, since the first of the year was Jesus Calling. Uh, that devotional, it's its given me the opportunity, it never leaves my kitchen counter because I come out in the morning and there it is, and I open it up and try to be consistent in reading. And um, it's been an awesome um, instructional guideline for me. It gives me a perspective of, of what God may be saying to me just on a one-to-one basis, you know, and how he might uh, Um, verbalize that to me. It's a different perspective, um, but the thing I think that I take away from it the most is uh, there's so much in there about just trusting me, you know, and he's constantly, uh, the devotional just tells you, uh, as he would say, just trust me, trust me. And uh, as humans, it's a difficult thing to do because we always want to have our hands on something or we want to control it in one way or another. We feel like we can do it. I want control over what my day is going to look like, you know, who I talk to, what my time schedule is, and that. And uh, at times, you can't do that. And the devotional has been a, a, a constant, God just actually talking to me and telling me, trust me. And then uh, the one I think that sticks out, and I can't remember what day it was, or, but uh, I was struggling with something. Um, we had just lost a, a, a pup. Um, you know, we're, we're dog lovers, and uh, he was an eight year old boxer and we just loved them, and uh, it was emotionally devastating. It came out of of the blue, and uh, I can just remember reading the devotional and it just said, at those times when you're struggling and that, just say, help me, help me, Lord, help me. And uh, uh, I can remember just, you know, at times, just help me, Lord, and it was a constant throughout the day, and I felt God's presence there. And um, so there's been uh, great day-to-day tips to uh, continue to, to think and get your mind right and, and trust that God's got uh, your life in His hands and He's got a plan for you. And it's in His, uh, it's His control. As a starter, it's easy. When you're every day you're out there and you know that you're gonna be out on the field or out on the court and have the opportunity to play. But as a backup, when you don't have that opportunity and you don't know when that's gonna come, it's difficult. And it's a, it's a teaching time. It's a time to make you strong, Uh, it's going to strengthen you. So God's got a plan for you. It may not be exactly how you thought it was going to be in your mind, but believe me, it's a better plan than what you could ever imagine, and God's going to take you to places that you never thought you could be. Just be consistent, be prepared, be dedicated to it, and know that you're having an impact. You're going to have an impact on all your buddies around you because they're constantly watching you whether you know it or not and how you react is, is gonna uh, uh, give it a lasting impression on them, it's gonna make a mark, it's gonna leave an imprint. I'm just so blessed, you know, I just, um, the Lord's been so good and he's taken me uh, to places I've never dreamed that I would be. Um, he's provided me with things that I never dreamed that I would ever have. Um, uh, a wife that is um, my best friend, um, a family that I grew up with a, a, a background that's I, I would never trade for anything and uh, it's not been easy you know there's been all these ups and downs and and life-threatening situations and and difficult times and yet I can honestly say I would never trade any of them uh, because I I can see how God has used those and um, how he has blessed me or others through those things and uh, I wouldn't be doing the things that I do today uh, if it weren't for my mom and dad uh, dragging us out of the house, sometimes by taking the ear and pulling us and saying, Listen, we're going to this family. They're struggling right now. We're going to go take them some food and some gifts. You're coming. And never wanting to do that. Come on, Mom. And, um, you know, it changed me uh, remembering who you are and who's your. It changed me.
1: To learn more about Jeff Hosteller and the Haas Foundation, please visit haasfoundation.org. Next time on the Jesus Calling podcast, we talk with writer and minister Gary Thomas. For many years, Gary's writing has focused on how to create a sacred marriage with your spouse. He shares that even after 34 years, he and his wife Lisa are still growing in their own marriage.
2: There are different seasons when you're able to give more care to each other. And for us, the empty nest years have been a wonderful time of discovering. It's been, a, frankly, a really good season of marriage.
1: Do you love hearing great stories of faith each week via the Jesus Calling podcast? We want to hear from you. If you haven't already subscribed to the Jesus Calling podcast, visit the Jesus Calling page at iTunes.com and hit the subscribe button. While you're there, we'd love for you to leave us a review and tell us how you feel about the show and what future guests you'd love to see. Your reviews and subscription help us share these stories of faith to more people who need the hope and encouragement of Jesus Calling. If you have your own story to share, we'd love to hear from you. Visit JesusCalling.com to share your story today.